that song you just heard was called Blessed Assurance. It was written by a woman named Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote over 8,000 hymns. But that's not the most fascinating part about her. See, the most fascinating part about her is when she was six weeks old, she got an eye infection. And her parents brought her to the doctor. But the doctor was not the usual doctor. He happened to be on vacation. And so they saw someone else who wasn't a real doctor. It was someone pretending to be a doctor. And they put together some sort of mustard powder concoction and, and sent mom and dad on their way with their beautiful baby girl. And so as they applied this supposed medicine to her eyes, she ended up blind. Completely blind. Never to regain her sight. So she wrote 8,000 hymns praising God. She was blind the whole time. Years later, this is what she said about her blindness. She said, It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And I thank him for the dispensation. If perfect earthly sight was offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and distracting things about me. If it had been offered her, her sight, she would say no. See, Fanny Crosby saw that her suffering and her trials that she was going through in this life were really an opportunity for God to be glorified and that her faith would just be made stronger even though she never got her sight. She never got the miracle. But we like to think of, of Christianity as a religion of miracles. And really it is. It's, it's founded on miracles. The first miracle being that God came down from heaven to be man. The second being Jesus' resurrection from death. We've seen miracles in our study of the 11th chapter of Hebrews. We saw an ark that was built in the middle of a desert, saving a pair of every kind of animal and eight people through a flooded earth. We watched the parting of the Red Sea. We watched the crossing of the Jordan River. We watched the walls of Jericho fall. We saw Gideon's army of 300 defeat the Midianite army of thousands. These are miraculous stories. They inspire us to trust God when things seem impossible to us because we serve a God of miracles. We see them through scripture everywhere. We believe in miracles. We've come to expect miracles. But God does miracles according to his will, not ours. Sometimes God intervenes for his people in miraculous ways. But sometimes he doesn't. See, we can't order up a miracle the way we order pizza on a Saturday night. Because God doesn't work for us. And so we need to look at the other side of faith. 
what happens to our faith when, when the miracles don't happen? We need to look at the cost of faith. And that's what the text tonight is going to show us. Uh, Hebrews 11, starting in verse 35. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. So who are these others that were tortured, that were stoned to death, that were sawed in half? Verse 39 tells us that they were people living by faith. As much as Noah was, as much as Moses and Joshua. But they didn't get their miracle. Did that mean that their faith was weaker than the others? No, absolutely not. If anything, their faith grew stronger because of what they had been through. The others who suffered did not lack faith or have some unconfessed sin that they hadn't dealt with. See, the point of our text tonight is that there are people of great faith. There were people of great faith years ago, but they suffered anyway. There was nothing wrong with their faith. Some were delivered, but some faced terrible trials and suffering. But all of them lived by faith. And God was pleased with every one of them. That's why they're listed in the Hall of Faith. See, the miracles, the victories of faith, don't always happen the way we think they should. God's victories come in many different ways. They aren't always outward and spectacular like the parting of the Red Sea. Sometimes they're a great work on the inner soul of his children. We look at these stories, we hear these victory stories, and we think, wow, I want that kind of faith. I want to walk with God and stand firm like that. I want to stand firm upon his word and his promises. I want that kind of faith. But that kind of faith only comes through trials. That kind of faith only comes through suffering. That kind of faith is made pure through the fire. Suffering and trials, they shouldn't catch us off guard. Jesus himself told us we were going to have trouble in this world. He told us to count the the cost if we were to follow him. Paul and Barnabas, when they were preaching in the book of Acts, they were preaching and encouraging believers in Antioch, and this is what they said to them 
in Acts chapter 14, verse 22. They encourage them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That's not exactly the best recruitment advertisement, is it? Come join us. You'll suffer. (laughs) But it's the truth. Living a life of faith and suffering and hardship, they go together. You can't separate them. Sometimes we need to have our world shaken up in order to make our faith unshakable. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life thinking that my faith is secure and founded upon Jesus only to get to the end and find out. I was only going through the motions. Didn't really have faith I thought I had at all. There are three things that suffering does for our faith. The first thing that suffering does is it proves that our faith is real. It proves that our faith is genuine. Listen to the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 6. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Listen to these next two verses. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him, now you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious and inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. That sounds like the definition of faith. Though you don't see him, you trust him. And in the trials, you don't see him, but you trust him. And he will reward those who seek him. With the salvation of your soul. Again in Isaiah 48.10. I have refined you. But not as silver is refined. Rather I have refined you. In the furnace of suffering. The words of God. I have refined you. In the furnace of suffering. When I found out. I was diagnosed with the brain cancer. Well, let me back up first. When I first became a Christian, I was kind of one of those Christians that was like a sponge. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to hear everything. I wanted to listen to Christian music. I wanted to, you know, just dive right in. My favorite CD was called The Hiding Place by Sila. And if you knew anything about those songs, they're all targeted towards suffering and having faith through trials. But I loved listening to it. And, and I would listen to it, and I would pray over those songs, and I'd say, Lord, how do I know if my faith is, is real? How do I know? How do I know that my faith can go through something like this? How do I know? About six months later, I'm sitting in an MRI, 
and praying to God and saying, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand what, what this is all about because nobody was telling me anything. They just kept running lots of tests and keeping me quiet. And I remember him saying, you have to go through something because there are people that you know that don't know me. Okay? Well, still don't understand, still don't get it. But now, years later, I can look back on that time, those, those months of, of chemo, those months of, of recovering from brain surgery, the months of radiation treatments, and I can look at that and say, wow, I used to be there, but now my faith is here because I saw him. He didn't just dust me off. He picked me up and he carried me all the way over there because that's what suffering does for us. The second thing that suffering does, we rely solely on our Father. He takes everything else away so you can say, He is my one. He is my one and only. He is my source for everything. Second Corinthians 1, starting in verse 8, says this, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Paul recognized that the purpose of his suffering was so that he would rely on God alone. See, God wants us to grow deeper and stronger in our confidence of him, not in our ability, not in our resources. God values faith so much, and he loves you so much that he'll do whatever it takes to draw us closer to himself. Whatever it takes. Remember, your faith is more valuable than gold. And so Lord will do whatever it takes to get you there. In times of suffering, we can experience God in profound ways that we just can't experience if, if we're just prancing through life. Suffering opens up our hearts and it teaches us a humility if we allow it to. See, human suffering is inescapable, but we have a choice in how we respond to it. We can either allow it to bring us into greater intimacy with God or we can allow it to put a wedge between us and God. We can let it transform us into the image of Christ or we can push ourselves away from God. We can be so consumed with why God, why God, why God that we just, we don't, we don't listen to what he's saying. You know, bringing those questions are good. You know, you want to know why, and that's okay. Bring it to God. But you've got to wait for his answer. See, Job brought those questions. Job extre had extreme hardship. He brought those tough questions before God. And he listened for his answer. 
And in turn, Job was so much closer to God. Listen to his words in Job 42.5. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. That is getting closer to God through suffering. But too often when we experience pain, when we experience a hardship, we ask God questions, but we don't like his answer. Or we turn away before he gives us one. Sometimes he'll tell us no, but we don't want to hear no. And so we just pretend we didn't hear anything. And say, oh, he didn't answer us, he didn't answer us, didn't didn't get my answer. And we allow that to grow in us. It becomes a bitterness within us and causes us to grow further away from God rather than closer. In my, in my cancer journey, I saw that. I had people in my family that came to me and said, how can you still talk about that God of yours? He gave you cancer. Hey, he allowed that cancer into your life. How can you still pray to him? How could I not? I know he's walking with me. Well, I couldn't do that. I'd be so angry at God if he gave me cancer. <clears throat> yeah, but that's, you know, it's how we respond. We have the choice. How are we going to respond? The third thing that suffering does for our faith is it gives us an opportunity to glorify God. We can testify to his power at work in our lives. When we handle suffering and hardship with peace, when we handle it with a joy and a strength that doesn't come from us, it becomes a powerful testimony to the power and the character of Christ within us. Our response to suffering can magnify God and it can verify the truth of his word to the people around us. Listen to Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering, have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Paul's words. I'll do whatever it takes, Lord. Bring any suffering, any hardship, any trial to me if it means one person gets saved. That's part of my story, too. My dad was not a believer when I got sick. And I can remember, I I can remember standing in my kitchen with him. And he'd say, oh, you're going to fight this. You're, gonna, you're strong. You can do this. I said, no, Dad, I can't do it. Jesus is going to do it. And he'd say, no, this isn't Jesus. It's you. And no, Dad, it's not me. It's Jesus. And we would go back and forth and back and forth until months and months later. And he would look back and he'd say, you know what? I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been praying. He became a believer because of, because of my illness. He became a believer. And, and, but that's not the end of the story. The beautiful part of that story is 
He then went on to witness to my grandmother when she was dying. He would go into her, her nursing home room near the end of her life, and he would talk to her. He would say, Mom, you have to know about Jesus. You have to bring your sins to Jesus so you can go to heaven with the rest of us. And she did. She became a believer. So how can I say cancer is bad? Lord, why did you give me cancer? I get it now. In that MRI when you said there are people that don't know me that need to know me. That's what he meant. He meant that through this suffering that you're going to go through, there will be people that will come to know me. And that makes it worth it. That makes it all worth it right there. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 7 talks about when we glorify God and, and we share that salvation with others. But the other part of it is that we offer comfort to others. Because of what you go through in your trials, in your suffering, then you can go out and you can say, you know what, I've been through it. This is how Jesus helped me through it. This is what Paul says. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that when we comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you will share in our comfort. Sometimes we tend to get, when we're going through a hard time, we get wrapped up in ourselves. We get wrapped up in our own little trial. But it's not about us. It's about his kingdom. Have you ever seen those mosaic photos where they take little snapshots of things like this? They take snapshots of people where, you know, really our life is kind of like that. We we see maybe a few pictures around us. Maybe. And we think we see the whole picture. But really, the whole picture is bigger than that. That's what God sees. See, our trials, our hardships, our suffering, our stories are just a tiny piece of God's grand plan the plan that he has for his kingdom. But we're blessed to be a part of it. It just all fits together. We just can't see it. But that's where our faith and suffering come together. It's in knowing and believing that God is sovereign over all things. Not just some things. Not just the good things. But all things. Even the bad stuff. Because if he isn't sovereign over the bad stuff, 
If he's not sovereign over the suffering and the trials that we go through, then he really isn't sovereign at all. I don't know about you, but I serve a mighty God, a majestic God, one who is love and mercy and justice. And because I believe, as Hebrews 11.6, that God is who he says he is, then I must also believe that I may not know enough about suffering to say, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? You know, suffering does have a mystery around it, but not for him. My all-knowing, all-powerful father is trustworthy and faithful and good. And if he allows something into my life that I don't like, then there's a reason that I don't need to know. He knows it, and I trust him. If God didn't spare his own son from suffering, why would we expect him to spare us? When we look to the cross, we see Christ. We see a God who suffered. And he suffered not to spare us from suffering, but to sympathize with us, to walk by our side when we do suffer. We have a high priest who understands suffering. In the lives of these others that are listed in our text tonight, in the life of Fanny Crosby, we see the cost of faith result in the pinnacle of faith. Because when we humbly endure whatever affliction God is pleased to put upon us, when we lay down our desires for the sake of his truth, is the highest point our faith can reach. Whatever it is that you're facing today, whatever you're going to face tomorrow, bring it to the Father. Whether it's sickness, whether it's the loss of a loved one, the loss of friendship or the betrayal of someone that was close to you. Put your pain in his hands. Leave it there. Let him show you that your faith is genuine. Let him show you that you are depending solely on him. Run to him in your trials. Let him fill your suffering with his presence. Romans 8, 18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. You're not meant to live here. That's home. Not here. It's all temporary. Everything here is designed to just make you enjoy there even more. If we want to live lives of faith, we're going to have trials and we're going to have suffering. Even if you don't want to live a life of faith, you're going to have trials and you're going to have suffering. The question is, how are you going to respond to it? Suffering produces in us the strengthening of our faith. As we depend more on our Heavenly Father, as we become more like Christ, faith is strengthened suffering refines us and it proves our faith to be real not just words 
Suffering provides us with opportunities to glorify God, to magnify his power in our lives, giving the people around us a witness to his goodness. Fanny Crosby never received her sight in this world, but she still recognized that a miracle occurred as she wrote song after song after song in adoration of Jesus. She left a legacy of worship hymns that will continue for generations to come. That was the miracle. It wasn't what we would have expected, but she saw it even though she couldn't see. She saw the miracle that God gave her. That's it for you and I. That's what suffering does. It's about perspective and how we respond to it. Are we trusting? Are we having faith in the Father, the Creator, who loves us? It's all in how we respond. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence with us here tonight. I pray that we leave challenged, Father, with a new perspective on, on the trials we endure, on the suffering that comes our way, Father. May we look to you, a sovereign creator. May we look to you for provision. May we look to you for your power. May we look to you for your strength, whatever comes our way. I pray a blessing upon every soul in this room, Father. I ask for you to bless us as we go our separate ways. And, and may we shine a light for you, Father. May every interaction be one that points back to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.